Well, good morning. It's a big day today, isn't it? There's a few things going on, and I'm not talking about the Super Bowl, which is happening today. I'm talking about there's a lot going on in our family, in our church family. There's several things happening, and I just want to take a minute and shout a few of those out. Um, number one, um, number one, Mary Jo Spiker just celebrated her 80th birthday yesterday, and so we're thankful for that. Another one is Jerry and Loretta Bible have celebrated their, are celebrating their 55th anniversary um, these days, so that's something to celebrate. And then I don't think he said it, I, I may have missed it, but um, Pastor Adam and Jessica actually had their second, um, their second baby, their first son, um, Hudson Taylor Whittakin, a couple days ago on Friday, Correct. And I'm thankful that Adam came to be with us today. He was at the hospital last night and came to worship with us, and so thank you. I just want you to know we are blessed to be a part of this family, and we are blessed to be in God's presence this morning. And so we celebrate together not just a Super Bowl, but we celebrate um, that, that we're the family of God, and we get to enjoy these life things together, and we get to struggle together, but we get to celebrate together as well. And, and so um, today we're, we're continuing to talk about being still. This has been, um, it was supposed to be our January series, it's, it's leaked into February thanks to the weather, um, but, but this series is all about the calling to be still and know God. And so we've talked about over the last several weeks what that means to be still, about the different things that being still um, helps us and benefits us. And, and so the, the th things we've talked about so far is the first week we talked about that, that when we are still, we know who is God. If we're busy, if we let the things of our life, if we get so caught up, and this happens all the time, I think we would all agree, we get so caught up in the things around us that, that all of a sudden those things start to take precedence over God. But if we will be still, we will know who God is. The next week we talked about be still and, and, and know, I'm sorry, I said that wrong, who is God. The next week we talked about be still and know who God is, and that's all about knowing the Father, that when we're still, when we spend time in prayer, when we, when, when we take time to step away from the busyness and pray, we connect with the Father and we know God, the Creator God, that God wants to have an intimate relationship with each of us and that we could know who God is and we could be transformed into God's image. And Pastor Jay last week um, talked about that, that if we will be still, God will fight our battles for us. That sometimes we come up against things and, and our inclination is to, to take care of ourselves. But, but if we will just be still and trust God, God will take care of us. Well, today I, I want to I um, just emphasize something really important. This month has been all about prayer. It's been all about fasting and being still in the presence of God. And I just want to say this. This should not end now. Just because the Be Still series or the prayer and fasting emphasis has ended doesn't mean that you should stop being still. Because as we're going to see today, spending time in stillness with God is the key to living life to the fullest. Listen to that again. Spending time in stillness with God is the key to living life to the fullest. We're going to look at a story today. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. 
And I want you to understand, I want you to pick up today that, that if we just let this be still thing go and we go into the next thing and we keep moving and we, we get busy again, we're going to miss it. You have the opportunity every day to spend time with the Creator God, to be still in God's presence, and to know God. And, and I don't want you to miss that. So please, I, I know that some of you did a fast and that has ended. I just want you to know that if you will take time every day to spend time in God's presence, you will live life to its fullness. And so as we close this series, we're going to look at one of my favorite Bible characters. My first son is named after him, Elijah. And, and this, this story, his story is incredible. He's one of, the, one of the biggest characters in the Bible that we hear of, but, but really there's not that much of the text devoted to him. But the stuff that happens with Elijah is incredible. And, and I'm going to start by kind of by giving you the background. And, and honestly, I'm going to kind of gloss over some of the huge stuff that happens to look at something that I think is really important for us today. So, so Elijah com comes onto the scene in Israel at a time when Israel is going through their run of kings. And so there would be a king that ruled for a while, and then another king would come in, and it was the time of the kings. You can find it in first kings in Scripture. And, and Elijah comes onto the scene as a prophet during the time of these kings. And he comes onto the scene at the time of a notoriously bad king for Israel. See, as Israel would get different kings, some of them would be faithful to God, and some of them wouldn't, and Israel would fall back and forth into this pattern of worshiping God, but then they would, they would forget about all that, and they would start worshiping other gods. And Elijah comes onto the scene when King Ahab is in power, and King Ahab is notoriously one of the bad ones. In fact, 1 Kings 17, verse 30 says, Ahab, son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. That's pretty rough stuff. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. And so what we see in the Old Testament, just to catch you up, is that the Israelites, depending on who their leader was or depending on what was going on at the time, would sometimes fall into the temptation of serving other gods. There were all these gods. Some of, some of the gods had specific purposes like the, a rain god or a fertility god, and, and there were other gods, and the Israelites would get off their way, they would get off track, and they would start serving these other gods, and Ahab was one of the worst kings for Israel. He married Jezebel. You hear the word Jezebel, the name Jezebel. Sometimes that's a name that, that is used for people, and that's, that's typically, you know, in Scripture at least, not a positive name because Jezebel, as we're going to see in the story, is, isn't a good, a good person in the story. And so Elijah comes onto the scene, and the Israelites have blown it. They've messed up. Um, they're worshiping Baal. They're doing the wrong things. And Elijah comes onto the scene, and he goes before Ahab. And he says, listen, I want you to know, because of your unfaithfulness to God, there's a drought coming. You better be ready for it. You haven't been faithful to God, and, and now you're going to experience a drought. And so then over the, next, the course of the next few chapters, um, the next period of time, um, Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel are kind of at odds, but he prophesies this drought and it comes to happen. And, and then probably the thing that we've all 
um, heard the most about Elijah is the big showdown on Mount Carmel. So, so things build, there's trouble. Um, Ahab and Jezebel want uh, Elijah dead. They're after him, they're coming after him. And Elijah hears God's word to say, go and, and talk to Ahab. And so he goes to him and, and he throws down this challenge. He says, I want you to meet me on Mount Carmel and I want you to bring 450 of your prophets of Baal. And so there's this big showdown. Elijah, the man of God, whose name means the Lord is God, against 450 of the prophets of Baal, the leading prophets of the other God. And so they meet up on the mountain, and this is a, I mean, this is in chapter, uh, I believe it's in chapter 18, and, and, um, and they come to this showdown, and it's this amazing scene that we, we talk about all the time around the church. You've probably, if you've been around the church for long, you've probably heard this story. And they set up two altars, and Elijah says, here, take this sacrifice and pray to your God to Baal and see if your God will bring fire down to consume this sacrifice. And so, so the 450 prophets of Baal get everything together, they put it on the altar, and they start praying in the morning. And they pray, and they pray, and they pray, and, and they say, God, help me, and it's not working, so they start to, they start to actually tear their clothes and, and cut themselves and do all sorts of crazy things to try to get their God to do what, what they were asking, and nothing happened. And Elijah said, come on, what's going on? Where's your God at? And they're, they're crying out, they're saying, come on, and it, nothing happens. And then Elijah says, all right, it's my turn. This is around the evening sacrifice time. And he, and I mean, this is, this is huge. Like, this is crazy. He says, you know what? I'm so confident. Why don't you take some water and pour it over the sacrifice in the altar? Just get it nice and wet. And so they pour water over, and he says, you know what? I'm so confident. Go ahead and do it again. And so they pour more water over, and he says, you know what? I'm so confident. Do it again. So the third time they pour water over it, they cover the sacrifice in water. It's wet. Of course, it would be hard to consume, right? And there's water pouring all over. And Elijah prays to God and says, God, come. And fire comes from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And it says, at that, everybody bowed and said, the Lord is God. What a big victory. That's huge. It's Mount Carmel. It's this big thing. And then to top that all off, it's, they're in the middle of a drought that Elijah told them was going to happen. And he said, hey, get ready because the rain is coming because we know who God is now. And so he goes up to the top of the mountain, the very top, and he says, look out, do you see anything? And they say, we don't see anything. And he says, go look again, because there's rain coming. And, and they come back and they say, there's a cloud in the distance, the size of a fist. And all of a sudden, Elijah says, that's the rain. That's my God coming to bring rain. And so he tells them, he tells Ahab, he says, you better get going, because the rain's coming. You better beat that storm. And so, so Ahab goes, and all of a sudden, the rain comes, and God is God. And so we have this huge moment. I hope I've done a good job painting that picture for you, this huge moment where if you think about Elijah's life and prophecy and battle with Ahab and Jezebel, all came to a head in this big moment. And God was faithful, and God provided, and God showed up on this mountaintop. And, and really, the, the scripture I really want to look at today is not that scripture, but the scripture after it. In fact, when the rains come, um, Elijah says, you better get on, Ahab, the, the rains are coming, and Ahab goes, and then it says the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he actually ran ahead of them. 
And, and so I'm sure at this point, Elijah's thinking, we've got it. We proved it. We did what we said we were going to do. I told you there was going to be a drought. There's been a drought. I told you my God would show up, and my God showed up. I told you the rain was going to come, and guess what? The rain came. Here we are. It's done. I win. And then we look at this next scripture. And before I get into that, I just want to say that I think we kind of live the way that Elijah lives. He was on that mountaintop. How many of you have ever had an experience that you would just say, God showed up? And it was amazing, and you felt God's presence, and it was like God was so real that you knew it, and you, or you prayed for something for so long, and then all of a sudden, God showed up, and it happened. Some of you probably have, have gone to, to big retreats or conferences. Just recently, we had the Thrive Women's event, and I know that every year, that's a hugely impactful event for the women there. Maybe, maybe for you it was church camp, maybe some of you it wasn't, maybe, maybe it was a huge job struggle that ended up in a promotion or something good, or maybe it was just a time where you were just really struggling, but God showed up and took care of you, and you kind of were in a place where you said, yes, I'm good. But if you're anything like me, those mountaintop experiences, those God has proven himself experiences often are followed by a valley. And what I want to talk about today is that God's calling for us is not to live from, from mountaintop into the valley to mountaintop into the valley. Sometimes our spiritual life looks like this, doesn't it? And you're doing great because God showed up and woo, it's great. But then all of a sudden you come down off that mountaintop. You come away from the conference. You come away from, from the big worship event and all of a sudden... You start to wonder, where's God? What happened to that feeling? What happened to that mountaintop? And we tend to live our lives like this. What I want to talk about today, what I want you to see today in Scripture, is that we're not called to live our lives like this. Yes, we're going to have great moments. We're also going to have tough moments, but I want you to understand today that we are called to be still in the presence of God, and if we will be still in the presence of God, we don't have to live like this. We can be in God's presence, even when we're in the valley. And so we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19, at verse 1. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So everything's good, right? Elijah wins. He's on top of the world. God showed up. God is God. That's my name. Woo! Verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me. Now listen to the language there. May the gods, not the one true God that just proved that he was the true God, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, I'm coming after you, and if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow, may the gods deal with me ever so severely. Verse 3, our hero, Elijah. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. 
Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Do any of you think this is nuts? Like he just had the biggest showdown. I mean, one of the biggest showdowns in Scripture. He, he stood toe-to-toe with 450 prophets of Baal, and he won. God showed up. And Jezebel gets mad at him and says, I'm going to kill you, and doesn't get it. And Elijah ends up running, scared, praying that he would die. Now, there's so many different things. I watched a sermon on this. I'm going to give credit where uh, I watched a a sermon by Stephen Furtick. Some of you have heard of him. He has great stuff. And he pointed something out I had never caught by this scripture. And that is just the absolute craziness of Elijah in this moment. Because on one hand, he runs for his life. I got to get away. I don't want to die. I'm running for my life. And then he stops and he says, God, take my life. Why are you running for your life if you're just going to ask God to take it? That makes no sense. He's not thinking clearly. He's messed up. And so what we see is Elijah finds himself stuck. And and I know I said that this this seems ridiculous, doesn't it? But have any of you ever been through that where, where you were on a mountaintop and you came down into a valley and all of a sudden you weren't thinking right and you were messed up? And you didn't know what to do. I'm going to tell you, there was a time, it wasn't too long ago, that I was praying about something. I was saying, God, can you help me with this? I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? And I was praying so hard, and it was a struggle that I was having. And all of a sudden, it seemed like God showed up, and everything was good. And and it seemed like the prayer was being answered. And it was like, yes, God, you did it. I knew you could do it. And then something bad happened afterwards. And I was like, wait a minute, God. I thought we won. I thought we had this. I, you know what? I don't think it's that Elijah is necessarily scared. I think he is scared. I think he's frustrated. Because we as humans tend to think that we win things and then they end and it's over. But the truth is... A lot of times after we face those mountaintops, a lot of times, even in the midst of God showing up and doing something amazing, we can step into a valley where we feel alone and disoriented and disheartened, and that's where Elijah is. It's so easy to get our minds messed up. Um, we, we're the kings and queens of that. We, we get messed up and we, we think that God has deserted us even though God just showed up. That's where Elijah is. Mountaintop experiences are great. This is the first thing I want you to pick up today. Mountaintop experiences are great. Big worship experiences are great. Great worship services are incredible. Church camps, revivals, um, conferences, those are incredible. God answering prayer is incredible. But if we're living thinking that's going to sustain our relationship with God, we're going to end up like Elijah, and we're going to be struggling, and we're going to be disoriented, and we're going to be depressed, and and we're not going to know what to do. If we rely on mountaintop experiences, we're going to end up feeling defeated and searching for God. That's where he is. Well, Picking it up in in verse 5, it says, all at once the angel touched him and said, get up. He looked around, and there by his head was some some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he laid down again. That didn't do it. God said, hey, wake up. 
check it out, I got some bread and some water for you. And he, he eats the bread and drinks the water, and then he's like, he lays down again because that's not enough. It says the angel Lord came back again a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave to spend the night. So what we see here is that Elijah goes from the mountaintop to the valley. He's, he's lost his mind. He's asking to die even though he's running from death. He's, he's totally out of it. And he's under a broom tree and he's given up and he's struggling. And all of a sudden God shows up and says, hey, I got some food for you. You need to eat. And by the way, you got a journey ahead of you, so you need to eat some more. And so he goes on that journey and he comes to Mount Oreb, the mountain of God. Earlier in the series, um, I talked about the fact that God wants to be in relationship with us, that God wants us to know him, that God wants us to be in his presence. That's what's happening here. See, if I were God, and I'm not, if I were God, you knew that, I didn't have to tell you that, uh, if I were God... And my great hero Elijah came off that mountaintop and went into the valley and was saying ridiculous things like, Lord, I'm all alone, take my life. You know what I would have done? I would have like, you know, God's, just put him under my thumb. <laughs> take that, you know, you're not worthy. If I were God, I would be frustrated and angry with Elijah because well, I just showed you how are you in this valley now. But that's not what we see from God. What we see is that God is with him. Not only is God with him, God provides for him in his valley, in his struggle. As he's questioning, as he's giving up, God is there sustaining him, taking care of him. This is incredible stuff. He says, you've got a journey to go on. This journey to Mount Oreb, it wasn't about anything other than Elijah Knowing who God is and experiencing God's presence. This wasn't another Mount Carmel we're going to prove to the world. This was about Elijah. This was about him knowing God and experiencing God's presence. And so God shows up and takes care of him. Listen, I've got some good news for some of you today. Because I know that there's some of you today that would say that we've been on that mountaintop and now I'm in the valley. And I feel like God isn't around, and I know God's done some great things in my life, but, but I don't feel like God's with me, and I don't know what's happening around me, and maybe I just need to give up, and maybe I'm done. I can't handle the stuff around me. I've got some good news today. And that's that even in your questioning and your doubt, even when you come off that mountaintop and you forget who God is, God is with you. And not only that, God is providing for you because God wants you to know him. This is incredible stuff. Some of you today just need to hear that. God is with you and God is providing for you even in the midst of your questioning and your doubt. God loves you and God is with you. God is providing for you. And God, let me, let me tell you this, God has something so much better than just occasional moments of success. God is with you all the time. God offers you constant 
presence. Because see, our, our tendency, as I told you, is to live like this in our Christian life. And okay, God, you were here. Where'd you go? Okay, you're here. Where'd you? Okay, that's not what God has for us. God wants us to have constant presence so even when Jezebels come after us, even when we're in the valley, we know that God is with us and we don't have to lose our mind and we don't have to lose heart and we don't have to give up because God is with us and providing for us all the way. I read a book recently, I honestly can't remember which one it was, but it talked about how we often view success as the end point to our goal. Like, you know, if it's, if it's as a church, we want to get to this point, and if we get there, we've, we've done it, we've made it, or in my life, I, I'm praying for this, and if I can just get the answer, then boom, I'm there. And the book said it's, it's, those, those aren't endpoints. Those are just plot points on our journey with Christ, and the great blessing is not these mountaintops. Those are great. They're good things. I, I'm not saying anything bad about them. We want to experience God's presence. We want God's power to show up and pour out on us. But really, we want to know God, and we want to walk every day in his presence. So today, if you're struggling, I just want to encourage you to hang in there. And I want you to hear what happens after that. In verse 9, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah gets all bold and starts complaining. (laughs) We're good complainers, aren't we? And he says, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, because the Lord is about to pass by. Then, he, then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, uh, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face And he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And we hear it again. Elijah's bold enough to complain again. He says the same thing. I've been very zealous for you, Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. But the Lord shows up. The presence, the spirit of the Lord shows up. I want to stop a second and I want to talk about how the Lord showed up there because this is huge for us. We tend to look for God in the epic, in the spectacular, in those big moments. We tend to focus all of our, you know, when God shows up, it's going to be amazing and woo, we're going to have revival and it's going to be incredible. And God shows up to Elijah After Mount Carmel, God showed up there in fire, with fire, and consumed it in an epic way. And Elijah goes on the journey, and he comes to Mount Oreb, and all of a sudden we see this thing happen where the wind comes, and it tears the mountains apart. And I'm sure Elijah's thinking, well, there's God, but God's not in it. God caused it, but God's not in it. And then there's the earthquake, an epic earthquake. Man, this has to be God, right? And God's not in it. 
And then just like we saw at Mount Carmel, there's fire and it's incredible and God's not in it. And then all of a sudden, just a gentle whisper like the blowing of a breeze, the Spirit of the Lord comes to Elijah. I think that's important because I think what God is trying to show Elijah is that, yes, I'm, I'm in the fire. Yes, I show up. Yes, I'm epic. Yes, I can do the big things, the mountaintops. But I want to speak to you in a gentle whisper. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to know me. I don't want you to just stand back in awe of what I can do. I want you to know me. And so God comes in a gentle whisper. What do you think would have happened if God would have shown up in the fire? What do you think would have happened if God showed up in the earthquake or in the wind? What do you think would have happened? I'll tell you what would have happened. Elijah would have gone down the mountain just like he did off Mount Carmel, and he wouldn't have experienced those things, and all of a sudden, Elijah would feel like God was gone. But God came in a whisper. God came in stillness. Because God is always with us. And if you take a step back from the story, you realize that God was on Mount Carmel in the mountaintop, but God was also with Elijah under the broom tree. God was with him when he struggled. God was carrying him along on his journey of doubt and in pain. And then God shows up in a gentle whisper and speaks into Elijah. And you know what? Mount Carmel was awesome. It didn't sustain him. You know what sustained Elijah? Hearing the gentle whisper of God, being still in God's presence. See, if we only learn from the big experiences, if we only see God in the epic, if we will only experience God in the epic, we're going to miss the blessing of knowing that God is with us in the ordinary. I want you to hear that today. God is with you today no matter where you're at. Whether you're in the lowest valley, whether you're on the mountaintop, God is with you. God is providing for you and God wants you to know his presence and live in it. And so God comes in a whisper and he speaks to Elijah and all of a sudden everything changes God was with him all along, but he had to be still and hear God's voice. In verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. Get back to work. Go on back. This has been a great journey. Now you've heard my voice. Now let's get back to it. And Elijah goes on and serves the Lord. And we never hear another story about Elijah struggling like this again because he knows the whisper of God. And then in verse 18, it's kind of cool. It says, this is, this is just funny because we've heard Elijah say several times, I'm the only one left. I'm all that's left. I'm, he's missing it. And in verse 18, it says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And all of a sudden, God gives Elijah the assurance to know that he's not alone. There's 7,000 more that are serving me that haven't fallen. You think you're alone because you're not hearing my voice. You're not hearing my whisper. And so God sends him on his way. He wasn't alone. And you know what? Just for the matter of fact, even if there wasn't 7,000 others, Elijah wasn't alone at all because God was with him every step 
of the way. Listen, as we wrap up this series today, as we wrap up this month on prayer and fasting, I want you to understand the importance of being still and being in God's presence because if you're busy, if you've got other things going on, you may experience God in the epic. You may have those moments that God shows up on the mountaintop and you're like, yes, but if you're too busy, you're going to miss God coming in the whisper and you're going to be stuck and you're going to be messed up in the head and you're going to think that God has left you, but God loves you and God is with you every day. And God wants you to spend time and know him. And so today as we wrap up this series, I want to challenge you not to miss the greatest blessing in life. These moments are great, but you know what's better than that is knowing that the almighty creator God, the God that was with Elijah that provided for him, the God that provided bread, the God that showed up on the mountain in a gentle whisper, that God wants to talk to you, wants to know you every day and to be with you every day. And so as we wrap up this service, we've got some people that are going to come up and serve us communion. Communion something that we do a lot in the church. We do it once a month here. And, and honestly, it's something that I've heard people talk about before, that it's something that can just be a little bit mundane or, or it's something we go through the motions of. But I want you to understand that it's things like this, moments like this of just being still in God's presence that sustain us, where God speaks to us, where we hear God's voice and we're able to journey the journey that we're on. And so our people are going to come up and they're going to hold um, a plate of bread and a cup. And I want you to do this. I want you to be still in God's presence this morning. We're going to be singing a song. And as we sing this song, I want you to spend some time in prayer. I want you to ask God to be with you no matter where you're at. I want you to ask God that you will know his presence this morning. And then when you're ready, I want you to come to one of the stations. There's going to be three in the front and three in the back and some in the balcony. And I want you to go to one of those stations. And I want you to experience God's presence and grace through Holy Communion this morning. And so be still and know who is God, who God is, that God is fighting for you, and that God is with you today. Father, we come into your presence. And I thank you, Lord, that you're with us. And I thank you that even when we're losing our minds and we think it's all over and we're ready to give up, that you are providing for us even when we don't know it. And so, Lord, I pray this next few minutes would just be a time for us to be in your presence and to know you. Let your grace flow to us, Lord. Be with any that are hurting today. Be with each one of us, no matter where we're at in our journey. And I pray, Lord, that we would experience you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Spend some time in prayer, and when you're ready, come and take communion.